Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring Starship Sofa and Tales to Terrify. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you are listening from, this is Farfetched Fables. Welcome to show number 93. This week we take you on a flight of fantasy, beginning with a pre-flight PSA in the form of Darkening Skies by Oliver Buckram, originally published on Daily Science Fiction. Oliver lives in the Boston area where he teaches social science to undergraduates under an assumed name. His work has appeared in Beneath Ceaseless Skies, Interzone, and the magazine of fantasy and science fiction, among other places. Darkening Skies is read by Nicole Doolan. Nicole is a writer and a voice actor who has performed numerous narrations for such popular and award-winning podcasts as The No Sleep Podcast, Tales to Terrify, and her very own Far-Fetched Fables. She also narrates classic literature by the likes of Poe, Austin, James and others in her own podcast, Audio Literature Odyssey. To learn more about Nicole, you can visit her website via the link on the Triple F. And now, buckle up, it's going to be a snarky ride. Darkening Skies by Oliver Buckram Narrated by Nicole Doolan Welcome to Dystopian Airlines. We now request your full attention as our flight attendants demonstrate the safety features of this Boeing 666 aircraft. Should we experience a loss of cabin pressure, an oxygen mask will drop from the compartment above your seat. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Secure the elastic band and breathe normally. The flow of oxygen will start once you swipe a valid credit card into the credit card reader. If you are traveling with a child or someone who requires assistance, swipe your credit card first, then assist them with their credit card. Tampering with, disabling, or destroying the credit card readers is prohibited by law. 
Overhead bins are shared space. Specifically, they're occupied by passengers traveling feral class. Please use caution when opening bins, as the feral class passengers can be aggressive when startled. Dystopian Airlines is not responsible for damage to personal belongings or fingers. This aircraft has six emergency exits, all of which are reserved for the exclusive use of our first class passengers. In the event of an emergency landing, please remain comfortably seated until the first class passengers have been safely evacuated to the nearest Admiral's Club. Your seat cushion may be used as a flotation device. In the event of a water landing, please pass your seat cushions forward so that the flight attendants can assemble them into a life raft for the exclusive use of our first class passengers. Your fellow economy class passengers may also be used as flotation devices. Please take a moment to locate the most buoyant looking passenger seated near you. Keeping in mind that the most buoyant looking passenger may be behind you. Rows 22 through 25 mark the designated urination section of this aircraft. Should you wish to urinate, please do so directly on any one of the passengers seated in the urination section. If you are seated in the urination section but do not wish to be urinated upon, you may purchase an umbrella for $50. Rows 26 through 30 are the designated slapping section of this aircraft. Once the captain has illuminated the slapping sign, a flight attendant will repeatedly slap you in the face. If you are seated in the slapping section, but do not wish to be repeatedly slapped in the face, you may purchase a no slapping upgrade for $75. Our complimentary in flight entertainment today. Is a continuous loop of Canadian children's television played at maximum volume. You may purchase earplugs for $100 or barbiturates for $150. For your safety and the safety of other passengers, federal law requires your compliance with lighted information signs, posted placards, and crew member instructions. Failure to comply is punishable by death. You will be charged $200 for each bullet that we fire at you. We know you have no choice when it comes to air travel, so we thank you for flying dystopian airlines. Whoever said getting there is half the fun should have their ass kicked. Our next story is The Angel of Death Has a Business Plan by Heather Lindsley. Heather's stories have appeared in Asimov's, Strange Horizons, Lightspeed, and the anthologies Brave New Worlds and The Mad Scientist's Guide to World Domination. She's been featured on Escape Pod as a writer and on Podcastle as a reader, and her stories have been published in Polish, Romanian, Russian, and French. She currently lives in Brighton and works in London, which gives her more time to write her novel on the train. Her story is read for us by Janice Juice. Janice hails from the Midwestern United States, where she lives in a constant state of motion, with her husband, two children, one dog, two cats, and a turtle. 
Trained and working as a classroom teacher of all levels, she decided to become a voice talent as well. And now, The Angel of Death Has a Business Plan by Heather Lindsley. Carl has a pair of blue knee-length boots in one hand and a black PVC codpiece in the other. Sorry, Angie. I'm running late, he says. I just need to get changed. We can do it in your street clothes, Carl. No, no, no. It's not the same without the costume. I'll be quick. I promise. Carl is a regular client and one of my first, so I cut him some slack. I should have been able to help him years ago, but I keep coming because he seems to get closer every week. Or maybe that's just what I tell myself. Living in Megapolis is damn expensive, and a little steady income doesn't hurt. I take a seat on Carl's couch, clearing away a stack of Commander Justice comics first. He says he'll be quick, but I've seen him struggle in and out of those boots too many times to believe him. The comic on the top of the stack catches my eye. Is this the end for Commander Justice? I wish, but of course it isn't. I flip through the first few pages before tossing the candy-colored propaganda aside. You really shouldn't read this crap, I tell Carl when he finally comes back into the room. It can't be doing anything for your confidence. I need to keep up with his latest crime-fighting techniques. No, you don't. You need to shoot him in the face. Carl winces. That sounds so unsporting. Exactly. You can be sporting, or you can destroy your arch nemesis and rule this city with an iron fist. What's it going to be? Destroy my arch nemesis? Say it like you mean it, Carl. Carl takes a deep breath, checks to make sure his Master Catastrophe logo is centered on his chest and booms out, I will bring this city to its knees. There you go. Now let's get started. At the end of the session, Carl is sweaty and a little wild-eyed. If I had the time, I'd run him through one more focus exercise, but his hour's up. Good job with your confidence levels, Carl. Lots of improvement, but you need to work on your concentration. You've got to be confident and focused when you take on Commander Justice. Thanks, Angie. But you know, I really think I could do it if you were with me. We'd make a great team. Come on, Carl. You know that's not what I do. But it could be. We could be partners. Master Catastrophe and Mayhem Girl. Mayhem Girl? Mayhem Woman. Say it with me, Carl. Evil geniuses work alone. That's right. And there's a damn good reason for it. But Angie... I don't do sidekick. I know. It's just that... Carl? Okay. So how do you feel? What are you going to do when you see Commander Justice? Ready? Aim? Fire! That's right, even if he asks you a question, especially if he asks you a question. Confidence and no distractions. Ready, aim, fire, 
That's all. Thanks, Angie. No problem, Carl. Good luck. Every week after Carl's session, I go straight back to my place and do the accounts. Villainy Coaching and Superhero Surrogacy provides a steady revenue stream, but it's not enough to get out of this tiny basement apartment. It kills me that what I'm paying in Megapolis would buy a massive lair in the sticks. But until you're a big name, you've got to be in the big city if you want to be taken seriously in this game. I fire up the pirated copy of Bad Books I got from the Green Shade, and I'm not surprised that the latest figures show yet another week of high turnover and slim margins. My operating costs are ridiculous. Insurance alone ate up half my income last month. There's just enough left over for a few more square inches of stabilized technetium plating for my Angel of Death costume. Though, I should be saving up for another shipment of weapons-grade plutonium. At this rate, it will take years to execute my business plan. I must admit, I was hoping for more from the villains in this town. Some spark of genius. Some inspiration. A quick email check shows mostly the usual. A report from one of my insurance agents in Fiji. Heated but familiar debates in various online villainy group digests. Spam for penis enlargement pills. There's also a message from a potential new client who calls himself Burnrate. I don't recognize the handle, so I'll have to do some research before I get back to him. Probably a newbie with a flashy fired theme costume and a half-finished death ray. The idea hits too close to home, and I decide to use last month's surplus on boring old plutonium. Weapons first! Costume second, though it pains me that in its incomplete state, my Angel of Death outfit looks like it belongs in one of those four-color hero propaganda mags. It'll stay in the closet until the protective plating covers all my vital organs. I put on a pot of coffee and move from my cramped, messy desk to my cramped, messy lab. I've been tinkering with disintegration. Preferably something that leaves an unthemed, sandy, or dusty residue. But at my current rate of progress, my own villainous schemes look more like a hobby than a profession. It's going to be a long night. New client today. Though the puzzler isn't new to this game, he's been ineffectually pestering Civet Man for years. The session isn't going well. We're still standing in the foyer of the Puzzler's penthouse apartment. I didn't realize your agency would be sending a woman, he says. I let him think there's an agency. Is that a problem? Well, uh, it's just that my nemesis is Civet Man. And? Civet Man! Look, you hired a superhero surrogate. You know how this works, right? Uh, yes. No, I mean, I was thinking you'd be more of a stand-in. Like an actor. Civet Man is taller, and he has these huge muscles, and... I don't need huge muscles to listen to your monologue. But if it's not a convincing scenario, how will I know it's completely out of my system? Okay. I hitch my bag up higher on my shoulder. 
I can do Captured Girlfriend. Will that work for you? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Let's do that. Fine. It'll be an extra 10000 You're kidding. Why? Asshole tax. Ten grand extra for Captured Girlfriend, or I walk away with your deposit. Or you can dial down your civet man obsession and let me do my job. I'm not paying extra. But since you're already here, how about you use the time you were supposed to be listening to my monologue doing something useful? You could clean my bathroom. I take the detonator out of my pocket. He looks surprised. What kind of idiot is surprised to see a detonator in this situation? Or I could blow up your bathroom and every other room in your alternative secret lair in Fiji. You just finished a big remodel, right? Laser targeting systems, Viking range in the kitchen, malachite bathtub with gold taps. Seriously, gold taps, tacky as hell. You wouldn't. I'd sue you for damages. He'd sue me? Some supervillain. Clause 27.1.5. The supplier retains the right to destroy as needed in either self-defense or in execution of the services noted herein any property of the client's own for the purpose of committing villainy, super or otherwise. The lair house in Fiji is a vacation home with six megawatt lasers. Home security! Nice try. I raised the detonator. So what's it going to be? I leave ten grand further ahead and thinking I should have made it twenty. The puzzler's monologue was predictable. His plan for global domination doomed to failure. His weapons, the kind of junk you get from the back room of any army surplus store, if you know who to ask. It's some consolation to know I won't have to worry about his repeat business. And at least I have some punching to look forward to this afternoon. I'm on my way to Master Adisa's studio and about a hundred yards from the subway when a massive steel tentacle bursts the pavement in front of me. Another tentacle wraps itself around my waist and lifts me twenty feet into the air. A dozen squad cars come tearing around the corner. A guy with a bullhorn says, Let the hostage go, Squidinator. I don't have time for this. I have a private lesson today, and I'm sure as hell not letting some big dumb stunt blow my chance to learn the pincer of death. I still got my shoulder back, so I squirm around in the grip of the tentacle to reach inside. The squirming probably looks good for the crowd. I hope a publicity-minded villain like the Squidinator appreciates it. Hey! I shout, thrusting my business card toward the skinny guy in the giant mecha harness. Do you mind? He lifts me right up to the harness and squints at the card. Oh, shit. I'm really sorry. I didn't realize. My friend Doom Daddy saw you last month. He said you were great. Really helped him cut back on his monologuing. Glad to hear it. So you're going to put me down now or what? I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry in the middle of something here. Here's a thought. 
I can manage a little hysterical screaming. But I've got an appointment in 20 minutes, so I'm going to need you to drop me off at Concord and 87th. Concord and 87th? He frowns. That's like all the way across town. Weren't you planning a rampage? Yeah, but... So rampage toward Concord and 87th. Okay, but that screaming is going to have to be really good. How's this? I say and let him have it. Nice shriek, the squidinator says. Sounds really panicked. Thanks, I'm just imagining what'll happen if I'm late for my appointment. Ah, yes, the method, he says, missing the point. Scratch a supervillain and half the time there's a failed actor underneath. Since he seems so pleased with the performance, I consider asking him to throw in one of those bags of cash he's obviously pulled out of the smashed-up bank around the corner. But the dye packs have already gone off. Blood like red dripping from a couple of tentacles. It's a nice effect. Sure, it makes the bank robbery pointless from an income perspective, but the squidinator will score some priceless publicity. I let loose another round of dramatic screams while the squidinator hitches up his tentacles and lumbers uptown. It's only when I'm back home that I discover just how much publicity the squidinator stunt got him after he dropped me off. Arachno boy finally turned up, late to the scene as usual. I'm pretty sure what happened was an accident, given the expression on the squidinator's face afterward. In the news footage, it looks like the ten his tentacles were just flailing wildly when one of them clipped a bit of Arachna Boy's web and slung him headfirst into a building. Not much control, but a hell of a lot of velocity. The tabloid headlines were right. There was only one way to describe it. Arachno Boy got squashed. The squidinator went into hiding. I don't know whether he was relieved or disappointed when he got pushed out of the news cycle only a day later by the explosion in front of Order Corps HQ. He might have held his own if there were no casualties, but the explosion took out Blue Streak and both Marvel twins, a masked duo calling themselves Mistress Mind and the Malignant Mole, released a video claiming credit. I didn't recognize the Malignant Mole, but I knew Mistress Mine when she called herself the Scarlet Woman. We only had a few sessions together, mostly working on her discomfort with direct confrontation. When she stopped booking appointments and dropped off the scene, I thought she decided I wasn't helping and gave up supervillainy. I'm glad to see she's still in the game. I wouldn't have gone with a duo approach, but I wish her luck. Two major heroes and a couple of sidekicks killed over the same weekend doesn't look good. The surviving members of the Order Corps held a press conference on Sunday night. And for a change, they didn't seem smug and righteous while they told us all how safe they were making our fair city. They just looked really, really pissed off. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In spite of the drama over the weekend, I head over to Carl's for our usual session. I'm feeling more optimistic that I can help him defeat Commander Justice, though I hope he can lay low for a while without losing the inspiration. Laying low doesn't seem to be an option. Commander Justice is waiting on the landing in front of Carl's third-floor walk-up. Waiting for me, apparently. Angie, isn't it? He's blocking the door. Yes? You come to visit old Carl every week, don't you? Well, yes, I'm his massage therapist. I wonder what, if anything, Carl ever said about me during one of his rambling monologues. All I can wish is that I'd been better at my job. Really? Where's your table? Uh, we use Carl's. Master Catastrophe has his own massage table? Yeah, I'm sorry. Who? He indulges me. Carl! Carl has back trouble. He needs a lot of work. I'll bet. He hasn't budged. Up close, I can see lines around his eyes that they never draw in the comic. He's been in the game for as long as I can remember. Look, I say, trying for flirty. You're not going to be unchivalrous and make me admit I'm not that kind of massage therapist, are you? His smile is grim. I know your therapy has nothing to do with massage, Angel. How are you doing, by the way? That must have been an awfully traumatic experience being held hostage by the squidinator. Of course. All that footage, every shot, every bit of cell phone video, getting even more scrutiny with Arachna Boy's death. I should have been lying low myself. It was being grabbed off the street like that at random. I'm sure. I hope it didn't throw off your lesson. I hear Master Adisa isn't very forgiving of distracted students, no matter how good the excuse. He texts a step closer backing me up against the rickety banister. The superhero community has suffered some serious losses. It's completely unprecedented. And frankly, some of us are considering a more proactive approach to fighting crime. 
I'm just about to try darting away when Carl steps out of his apartment. He's wearing his costume without the boots, and his master catastrophe logo is crooked. He's not carrying his death ray. He has his father's old forty-five service pistol. His voice isn't much above a whisper when he says, standing there in his grubby white athletic socks, I will bring the city to its knees. Oh, please, Commander Justice says as he steps away from me and heads towards Carl. A gun? Don't you want to wave that piece of shit death ray at me first? Don't you want to monologue? Carl takes a deep breath. Ready? Aim? Fire! Commander Justice doesn't have super speed, and he isn't bulletproof. In the end, the corpse with the large and messy hole in his head was just a guy who spent a lot of time in the gym and had some good gadgets, a trust fund, and the unholy confidence to enforce his vision of morality while wearing his underwear on the outside. I did it, Carl says in shock. A fleeting look of triumph follows. I finally did it! He stares at his permanently defeated nemesis. What do I do now? He sits down on the floor. I sit down next to him and put my arm around his shoulders. Hey, I say. You know who's a total asshole? Civet Man. Yeah, he says with a little smile. I've heard that. I go back home, taking a different route. I bolt the door. I do the accounts, but not the financial ones. Half the order core is gone. If even a few of my clients take the initiative, it could tip this city's balance in favor of supervillainy for good. I consider joining the fray myself, but my doomsday device is nowhere near ready, and my half-finished costume makes me look like the worst kind of badly drawn TNA cliché. It's just not time for the world to meet the Angel of Death. It won't be long before another member of the Order Corps follows Commander Justice Lead. So I'm about to hastily pack a bag when I notice I've got a new voicemail. It's the kid who calls himself Burn Raid. Look, the message says, I know you usually work with established villains, but I've had a breakthrough in the lab. I mean something really big, and I want to launch it next week, but I can feel the urge to monologue. I mean... I know it's going to be irresistible, and I don't want to muff this. I just, I think talking to someone would help. <coughs> There's a cough and a pause. Anyway, I did a test run this other day. It hasn't made the news, of course. It wouldn't, what with the Squidinator and what happened at the Order Corps HQ. But you can find it on YouTube. Just search on Burn Rate. I call him and set up an appointment for this evening. Maybe the kid has talent. It's a long shot, but my only other option is early retirement. Burnwright's lair is in a discreet brownstone in a quiet neighborhood. I didn't have time for the usual insurance, but I watched his YouTube videos and did some basic research. Burnwright turned up about six months ago. Apparently funding his villainy with cash his civilian persona made selling a lucrative startup. Since then, he's pulled off a couple of impressive heists. He showed style, and his weapons look good, elegant, efficient. He has promise. 
or so I thought, until he started his monologue. Struggle! All you like, human tornado! You'll never escape my electrostatic cage! Not another electrostatic cage. Even superheroes carry enough loose change in their rubber-soled boots to discharge the damn things. Ha ha ha! Burnwright says before he breaks character and whispers to me. It's really not electrostatic. I just want to see the look on his face when it vaporizes the quarter he tries to flip through it. Vaporize? Yeah! He grins and gets back into character. Nice try, human tornado, but you'll never save this city from my demoleculator. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is new. You've got a demoleculator? A working demoleculator? Yep, that's why I need your help. How do you not monologue about the world's first fully functional demoleculator? but no one's ever been able to stabilize the parakinetic matrix long enough to produce a reliable quantic field. I have, Burnrate says. How do you do that? Bucky balls, he says with genuine and utterly charming enthusiasm. But what about the Brock particle phase shift? Now see, that's the cool part. The fullerensic properties reinforce the isohedral substrate, creating a completely stable crystalline structure. Ingenious. I know, huh? Is he actually blushing? Ask me about my orbiting death ray. You've got an orbiting death ray? With targeting precision at about plus or minus three feet. But I'm working on that. I was tempted to do a demo during my last heist, but I thought it might be overkill. Yeah, you want to save a device like that for some serious world domination action. Exactly. Look, I know you're only getting paid to hear the monologue, but are you interested in taking a look around? I've got a pretty nice lab in the basement. I don't mean to show off, but you are really seem to know your death rays, and it's just so damn cool. His grin is as infectious as a well-designed bioweapon. I'd love to, I say. His lab isn't pretty nice. It's stunning. And it isn't so much in the basement as part of an underground lair so vast you need a map to navigate. This way to the lab, this way to the firing range, this way to the master control room, this way to more storage than most... Megapolites could even imagine. We talk shop while he gives me the tour. His enthusiasm is boundless. He's obviously in it for the science. Take the orbiting death ray, he says. Next to the challenge of maintaining the power supply, you think ultra-precise targeting from a geosynchronous orbit would be a snap. And to be fair, the current margin for error isn't that bad but does limit it to villainous applications. So there are non-villainous uses for an orbiting death ray? Well, there'd be a certain amount of rebranding involved. He looks a little sheepish. Anyway, do you want to give it a try? Seriously? Of course! Go on! Pick a target! He shows me the controls. I've never seen such a clean interface. 
In only a moment, I've got it locked on the Puzzler's 1937 Bugatti. Ouch, says Burnrate. He painted question marks all over it. I'm putting it out of its misery. Fair enough, he says, and the car disappears in a cloud of parking garage debris. That was amazing. I always find it a bit distant. Now the handheld version of the demoleculator, that's a much more immediate experience. Okay, I was already impressed. A handheld? Well, it's just a prototype. Terrible battery life. Every shot means overnight on the charger. He looks shy again. Look, I know I'm being a terrible show-off, but I just spend so much time working on this stuff by myself. Don't worry. You have a lot to be proud of here. So do you want to try it? Of course I do. You're not worried about the Brock particles? I trust you. We go to the firing range. There's a wooden bowl of fruit on a pedestal about 50 yards away. When burn rate stands behind me, unnecessarily helping me aim the demoleculator, a pleasant sensation runs up and down my spine. I fire. I walk over to the pile of dirty-looking sand that used to be the bowl, the fruit, and the pedestal. The handheld version leaves more residue, he says apologetically. It just doesn't have enough power to properly vaporize. Is it safe to touch? I ask, kneeling over the pile. Oh, yes, he says. It's completely inert. I let the grains run through my fingers. It's perfect, I say. I look up and see a strange smile on his face, probably a reflection of my own. So it's not particularly villainous, he says. But do you want to check out the wine cellar? This is extraordinary. The complexity in the first sip of Chateau Petrus is unlike anything I've ever tasted. It is nice, isn't it? He looks a little surprised by the taste himself. I have to admit, I bought most of the cellar in one go at an estate sale, so I can't take credit for its quality. I am learning, though. Mastering enology was one of my New Year's resolutions. You do realize compulsive truth-telling is a very unhealthy quality in a supervillain, right? I know, he says. I need your help. We never got through your monologue. I think we should give it another try. He checks his watch and looks both embarrassed and hopeful when he says, Can we do it in the morning? I swirl my wine in its crystal glass, inhaling the scent of a vintage older than either of us. My research says he's about my age, but he looks so young I can't help smiling at him. Okay. A bottle of wine later, he says, have you ever thought about working with someone? Not just on monologuing, I mean. I don't do sidekick. I didn't mean sidekick. I meant partner. I look at his handsome face and think about his beautiful lab, his elegant weapons, his vast storage space. I'm so lost in the visions of the future, I'm not really listening to him anymore. But I think he's saying, Oh, this could be yours. And now the world knows the angel of death very well indeed. 
That wasn't the case at first. In the chaos of the early days, supervillains all over the city stopped talking and started shooting. A few turned on other heroes or each other. A lot of them, like Carl, retired once they took out the arch-nemesis they built their lives around. Carl did go after Civet Man, but he said it just wasn't the same. He has a nice garden allotment near his apartment now. He seems happy. Most of the surviving villains knew about my insurance policies. I've heard their monologues, I've seen their weapons, and I know their weaknesses. I emerge from the mayhem with my finger on the trigger of burn rates orbiting death ray and a business plan that was just waiting for the right arsenal. I like to think I've been a benign global overlord, for the most part. Yes, some people complain about my banning cell phones on public transportation, or more specifically, the fact that phones explode if they try to talk into them on a bus or a train, or in a restaurant, or at the movies, or any dozen of other public places. But I think most of the population appreciates the peace and quiet. I try to stay away from too much social engineering, though, and concentrate instead on my more profitable ventures. My home dry cleaning cabinet, licensed to Whirlpool, has been quite a little moneymaker. And of course, it's terrible for the planet. So it's in keeping with my villainous brand. Image is so important in this business. The giant statue of me with my boot on the actual White House might be a bit much, but I stand by adding my head to Mount Rushmore. It's about time there was a woman's face in that granite boys club. After a challenging year, things are ticking over nicely. I'm still running the whole show from Burn Rate's lair. It has everything I ever wished for while I was trapped in my crappy basement apartment. I did make one change. I installed my dream desk in the master control room. Oh, it's huge and glossy black. Retractable compartments across its glorious broad surface let me indulge my love of paper and my love of order at the same time. The only item I never clear off my desk at the end of the day is a dull metal cylinder, about the size of a beer can. It holds burn rates, grainy remains. The recharge demoleculator worked beautifully. I keep it there to remind me of the first rule of this business, the one the poor kid forgot. Evil geniuses work alone. Yes, dear listeners, even supervillains need career counseling at times. It's a tough gig. High overhead, low returns, mediocre benefits packages, and loads of stress. Don't believe me? You try dealing with flying monkeys and robot minions. Speaking of minions, we rely on you to keep ours busy. This is Tony C. Smith, host of Starship Sova, and, well, I guess you call us as well the boss of District of Wonders. And I thought I would get on to... Farfetch Fables, just to, you know, wish us all, you know, a great and happy new year for 2016. A big, big thank you to Nicola, Gary and Mark for producing one of the best fantasy podcasts out there 
by a long shot. Do you know what I mean? You listen to it and you kind of listen to, you know, others that are kind of in there, that scope, and it's just staggering what they've done, what they've achieved. So thank you so much to them. But it was also to kind of reach out to, you know, our listeners in Farfetch Fables and just to kind of, you know, I'm going to be doing this, you know, a number of times throughout the year just to come round the pews with me can rattling it to ask for donations to kind of keep, you know, Farfetch Fables up and running and keep, you know, the tales and the starships over. We have got, you probably know now, but we have got a Patreon page and this is the kind of, I'm not saying anything nasty is going to happen to Farfetch Fables, but we've got to have sometimes a reality check when we kind of just kind of keep on, you know, doing it for free without the kind of help and support. Farfetch Fables is growing, and it's growing at a bit of a staggering rate, to be quite honest, and it needs kind of funding. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 it has to to kind of survive, and like you see, we've got a Patreon page. It's all there. Come over and help with This is, you know, a plea from... Everyone who kind of, you know, is involved with Farfetch Fables, help her out and look after her. You know, make sure Farfetch Fables is going right through the year and, you know, many more years in the future. You know, it's you can come on to Patreon. It's next to nothing to kind of put a little bid on there. And, not a bid, but a little token of appreciation and a monthly donation. And it really would make a difference. Do you know what I mean? It's as simple as that. Keeps this show going and that's what we all want. So, like I say, I'll be doing this a few times, you know, throughout the year, just to kind of give you a little nudge and make sure that, you know, you're doing your best to help the shows out. So, until then, listen, thank you so much. You know, and people who already, you know, are on Patreon, Farfetch Fables, what can I say? Do you know what I mean? Big hugs. Thank you so much. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but don't change it or sell it, and be sure to give credit where credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors. Violators will be death raid. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. We really love it when we get feedback from you, so go on, type us something nice. I'm off to go and deal with the day. I'll see you next week. Bye now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.wonders.com districtofwonders.com Thank you for listening. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.